Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From Equity Mates Media, this is The Dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. When I think about the recipes I have on rotation, mints, soup, risotto, pasta, the humble onion is often part of the ingredient list. And aside from risking lots of tears, sobbing into the pan as I cut them, it's not something I think twice about. Onions have always been cheap and easily available. And it's a global appreciation. Onions are the staple of cuisines across the world. The most consumed vegetable after tomatoes. In fact, if you put all the carrots, turnips, chilies, garlic and peppers that the world produces in an incredibly large pot, it's actually the equivalent of just how many onions are produced. It's about 106 million metric tonnes. But now the two most consumed vegetables in the world are becoming really hard to come by. They're facing severe shortages and it's affecting many millions of people around the world. Modern supermarkets have it all. That is, until they don't. Across the country, fruit and veg aisles are increasingly bare. Is this deja vu? Food shortages were a big story in 2022. We talked about lettuce in Australia, rice in India and cooking oil in the United Kingdom. And now we're just three months into 2023 and the conversation isn't stopping at onions. It's Friday the 3rd of March and today I want to know, why are we seeing more food shortages and should we expect more of them going forward? To talk about this today, I'm joined by my colleague and the co-founder of Equity Mates. It's Alec Renahan. Alec, welcome to the dive. Hey, Sasha. Good to be here. One gripe to pick up with your intro. You said that <laughs> tomatoes are the world's most consumed vegetable. Up until a couple of weeks ago, I would have said tomatoes are actually a fruit. But I've actually been told recently, do your own research on this. Apparently, tomatoes aren't a fruit. Apparently, they're a herb. What is the difference between a fruit and a herb? Am I sidetracking us instantly by now making that what the episode's about? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Do your own research. Whichever way, tomatoes widely consumed around the world. Look, someone's got to be an expert out there listening. Hit us up at equitymates.com. Tell us the difference between a fruit and a herb. But let's get into it, Alec. As I touched on in my intro, Australians remember the iceberg lettuce shortages of 2022. We did an episode on that last year. I've linked it in the show notes. Alec, now we're seeing more produce shortages on a global scale. What's going on? Yeah, Sasha, it seems to be the story that keeps coming up and the onion shortage is particularly being felt at the moment. Here's how much the price of an onion has increased over the past 12 months in some of the hardest hit countries. Turkey, over 700%. Uzbekistan, over 300%. Ukraine, 260%. The Philippines, 180%. Pakistan, nearly 150%. And Morocco, 125%. The price of an onion has more than doubled in places all around the world. Prices are soaring. Obviously, inflation is already a concern and higher food prices are just adding to it. And it's prompting countries to take action, some pretty drastic action to secure supplies. Morocco, Turkey and Kazakhstan have halted some exports of onions. 
which gives us echoes to India halting exports of rice last year. And the Philippines has ordered an investigation into cartels hoarding produce. Yeah, there was a report about 10 cabin crew members of Philippine Airlines who were charged with smuggling after they tried to bring in about 40 kilos of produce, you know, 27 kilos of onions, 10 kilos of lemons and a kilo of strawberries and blueberries for good measure. I'm not sure if they're involved with cartels, but it sounds like they're cracking down on anyone who's bringing this produce in. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing when you see the lengths people are going to secure the supply of produce at the moment and it I guess it just shows how stark these shortages are and we've seen restrictions go beyond onions as well in some markets we've seen them extend to carrots tomatoes potatoes apples which is then impacting their availability around the world. And they're seeing that in the UK, the shortages are more widespread. It's almost impossible to make a salad at the moment. I don't suppose you've noticed vegetable shortages. When yeah, you're massive, massive. You have? Yeah, 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 just now. Were you looking for them particularly or? Tomatoes, they're a bit insipid this time of year. The UK is currently facing a salad crisis as there's a major shortage of a number of key salad ingredients, lettuce, peppers, aka capsicum, tomatoes, cucumbers, Tesco and Aldi, two of the big supermarkets over in the UK, are limiting customers to three tomatoes, peppers and cucumbers as a precautionary measure, while Asda is also limiting customers on lettuce, bags of salad, uh, broccoli, cauliflower and raspberries. Morrison's has set a limit of two items per customer across tomatoes, cucumbers, lettuce and peppers. So basically, Sasha, all of the major supermarket chains in the UK are placing limits on some of the most common vegetable staples. But this global shortage isn't the result of just one issue. It's a domino effect that's created this lack of availability. So can you take me through those individual pieces that are stacking up? Sasha, the reality is most of our supply chains these days are global. The fact of the matter is no one country can grow one crop year round. So take the UK, for example, in the summer months, British growers produce about half of the tomatoes bought in the UK. But in the winter months, when the tomatoes aren't growing in the UK, they import them from Morocco and Spain. About 95% of the UK's winter tomatoes come from Southern Europe and North Africa. Similarly, about 90% of the UK's winter lettuce uh, comes from Southern Europe and North Africa. And with extreme weather, extreme droughts in North Africa, that's decimated their crop. And all those processes are so carefully balanced. If something happens to that crop, you can't suddenly amp up your production because of the way that seasons work. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, people look at other alternatives like can we grow more produce in greenhouses, but they take time to build. They take a lot of energy to, you know, keep warm. That's obviously a challenge in Europe at the moment. And because crops take so long to grow, it's not like another region can just pick up the slack from North Africa and Southern Europe. It takes a season to grow a lot of these vegetables. So when supply is damaged, we see shortages. Well, Alec, everything you've outlined just seems to point to the fact that this is happening more and more. So let's take a break and unpack that in just a minute. Welcome back to The Dive. If I could ask you a really quick favor, please go to your podcast player and give us a five-star review. Write some nice words. It really helps us get in front of the ears of new people who might not have discovered The Dive. It's a small thing from you, 
It's a huge thing to us and a big thank you if you've done it already. It makes such a difference. But Alec, let's get back to the topic at hand. We're talking about food shortages. It all started with onions, which was a news headline this week, but we're seeing that it's broader than just that food group. Wholesale cost on things like salad crops, um, even onions, I would say they've gone up by at least minimum of 80%. And that is across the board. Here's the big question. How much of this is climate related? I feel like I already know the answer as I say it, but tell me how it's playing out. Yeah, I mean, that is the big question. And that was the question with the Queensland floods last year that led to the iceberg lettuce shortages in Australia. That was the question with the extreme floods in India last year, which saw 18 million hectares of rice crop lost. And that is again the question this year. And that's the real challenge when it comes to extreme weather events. It's hard to say it's definitely climate related or definitely not climate related because people who want to argue that it's not climate related can point to other examples of extreme weather that decimated crops. I remember, I don't know if you remember, Sasha, the uh, massive banana shortage. In 2011, a cyclone hit North Queensland. I think 75% of Australia's banana crop was decimated and we couldn't buy bananas. And this is really off topic. There's something about when there's a food group in the news all the time that you suddenly want it. Mm. Because I remember thinking, I never need bananas. And then all of a sudden (laughs) they're 13, you know, hugely expensive. And it's all I wanted to put in my shopping bag. Well, fun fact for you, fun supermarket fact for you, bananas are the biggest sellers at supermarkets. They're the most sold item. And because they're the most sold item, Prices are incredibly competitive. So it's like the hot chook, the white bread and the banana wars. They're the things that are always going to be <laughs> the low it, prices. That's it. But <laughs> bringing it back to the climate question, because that is the big question. I think, Sasha, the trend is almost undeniable at this point. The number of extreme weather events is increasing and we're seeing that all around the world. Even just right now, we're seeing so many. Uh, A few weeks ago, the west coast of the US experienced incredibly heavy rain and flooding. There was, I think there was even snow in parts of LA. In Spain right now, it's unseasonably cold, which has affected crops. But then in North Africa, we're seeing drought Just the number of extreme weather events and the unpredictability of the weather seems to be increasing. And so that's my roundabout way to not quite answer your question, (laughs) is this climate related? But I think the trend is uh, certainly pointing in one direction. I appreciate your roundabout answer, Alec. (laughs) But so then the follow up for me is what does this mean for us? If we're not getting this food to our table, what impact is that having on the global population? Well, can I just, before we get to the food part of it, what does this mean for us? Mm. We need to take more action on climate change quicker. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Getting to the food part of the question. So the world is incredibly food insecure at the moment. The UN estimate that more than 3 billion people cannot afford a healthy diet today. And these extreme weather events, these food shortages are only going to exacerbate that problem. And, you know, not as much in the UK or Australia, but across the developing world, 
this is where these food shortages will be most acutely felt. How long do we think that these shortages, these food shortages are going to last? Yeah, so the onion shortage has actually been going on for a few months now. It's just become quite acute. And from what we could see, it doesn't look like it's going to ease anytime soon. But the good news, Sasha, because we do need some good news, is that the British Retail Consortium, which is a trade association for UK retailers, doesn't think the salad crisis in the UK will last beyond a few weeks. So that is some good news. So Alec, I asked you what can we do about it earlier and you said take action on climate change, but are there some other points that we should be thinking about to reduce or help alleviate these food shortages moving forward? Yeah, there there are definitely some steps that countries around the world are taking to secure their food supply chains that we can certainly learn from. If these extreme weather events are because of climate change and the trends continue and we see more of them, it is going to become more and more of a pressing political issue as we see more and more empty shelves from time to time. So, Probably three key things. First of all, diversifying sources of imported food. The UK crisis is largely because they're so reliant on Southern Europe and North Africa for crops during winter. So we might see the UK supermarkets themselves try and diversify where they're buying produce from. The second point we have often seen is increasing support for domestic food production. And, you know, this... This is obviously a good thing, but there are some caveats here. The first one is not every country has the land to be able to support their population. But the second thing is that wouldn't have actually solved the crisis here for the UK because lettuce and tomatoes simply aren't seasonal in the UK at the moment. So there's only so much you can do when it's not your season. But that does lead to the third and perhaps the most exciting and interesting point, Sasha, which is embracing new technology and the case study here is the Netherlands. The tiny country of the Netherlands is the second biggest food exporter in the world by value. They punch above their weight so much in the agricultural space. It is pretty fascinating. They are on the cutting edge of greenhouse technology, uh, lab-grown meat, vertical farming, new seed technology, agricultural robotics, It is a pretty phenomenal story if you're not across it. The Netherlands has nearly 24,000 acres of crops growing in greenhouses. And for context, 24,000 acres is almost twice the size of Manhattan. And these greenhouses are pretty efficient. They can grow in a single acre what it would take 10 acres of traditional farming to achieve. And they also allow the Netherlands to grow produce year round. They're not as beholden to the seasons. So there are technological solutions to some of these problems that offer more efficient and cost-effective ways to grow crops. But ultimately, Sasha, I think at the end of the day, we have to accept that when we're talking agriculture, we are beholden to the weather and the seasons. And so if we can find ways to make them less extreme, that's really the solution that we've got to be aiming for. Alec, I'm really impressed that you managed to end that on a silver lining. I feel like there's definitely a good news story in the in the avenues that the Dutch are exploring there. But again, something we can dig into on another episode. Let's wrap it up there. If you want to keep the conversation going, then contact us by email weatherdive at equitymates.com or visit the website equitymates.com. And then please hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening right now. And then you're never going to miss an episode. Thanks for the five-star reviews 
news. Thanks to you, Alec, for joining me today. Thanks, Sasha. Until next time. You have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.